0: ATTV Tea Time is a podcast dedicated to getting the tea on all things industry. I'll be speaking with a variety of people who work across the industry, from production to tech to editorial to talent. Everyone from directors to makeup artists to get the inside scoop on how they got to where they are today and what their individual journeys have been like. This podcast is aimed to offer those thinking of a career in the industry a real insight into how it works and what roles are available to them. It can also be for those who work in the industry and want to gain knowledge of other people's roles. Hello and welcome to at Tea Time. I am joined by the baddest producer,
1: oh, Megan
0: Wilcox. <laughs> she is produced for the likes of K-Trap, Miss Banks, Kurt Geiger, Nike... Adidas, you name it, she's probably produced it, but welcome, welcome, how are we? I'm good mate, I'm good, it's so
1: nice to see you. I know, it's been years. I'm very, very, very proud of you and I'm very excited for this podcast, oh, thank I'll be you watching so much. every week.
0: Oh yes, definitely, definitely. Well, it's nice to have you, if people don't know, me and Megan worked together years ago, I've it, yeah. it must have been... A few years ago now, maybe like no. four or five, um, on a Miss Banks shoot. And I was a runner and she was a producer. Yeah. And I remember looking up to her, like, I wanna do what she does. I wanna do this so bad. But tell and me. And now you're like,
1: she's mad. Why did she do that? Now? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> it's crazy. But tell me, how how did you get started in this industry? Like, was you a runner? Did you work your way up? How did you yeah. go? Yeah.
1: So my my way in was exactly your way in. Um, and I think, in my personal opinion, it's the best way. I um, started as a runner. I started quite young because I was lucky enough to have an idea of what I wanted to do. So I started as a runner, and I started doing that when I was in college. So you can, as long as the shoot that you're on is fine with you being there, like age can be a little bit of a thing. So normally you need to be over 18 to be on a film set if you don't have a chaperone. But if you can get a chaperone, or maybe someone on the set can act as your chaperone, Maybe, like a, maybe it's a family friend you can do work experience with or something like that. Yeah. You can get onto sets a little bit younger. So I did that and then I left school and I was like, I definitely know that I'm not going to university because I felt, and I'm sure lots of people's parents <laughs> will hate me saying this, but Say I, <laughs> I don't think that to be the best producer you can be there is any point in you going to uni. Um, I think if you're not quite sure what you want to do and you want to explore different avenues then go to film school but no film school will prepare you for being on set they won't prepare you for clients especially if if we're being specific about being a female producer you need to be on set (laughs) because you need to learn how to handle certain situations yeah so yeah that's how that's how i started i just started as a runner and then i just kind of worked my way up from there and then the best way to do it was i started as a runner and i got some on-set experience and then i realized the fastest way for me to learn from somebody was to go in house, because trying to level up as a producer at the time when I was doing it, it was really difficult. Um, the age gap was so wild. Like now, there's like people like me and you where we're like in our late 20s or mid 20s and we're like producing. But when I first started, I didn't know really any producer that was under the age of 30 at that point. Or 35 to be honest anyone doing any kind of like larger campaigns yeah so it was always like wow they're so much older than me like how am I gonna get to that freelance so that's why I went in-house what company did you go in-house with so I started actually this is quite a good point because I think a lot of people feel like their first job has to be like their dream job yeah so mine was not my dream job mine was like (laughs) I was making tea and coffee in a post-production house and I was like I'm going to smash these coffees. Like, yeah. that was my only... I was not thinking about, like... You don't need to think about what multi-million dollar international campaign you're doing at that point. No. Like, you just have to be the best coffee maker in the, like, in the building. And then they will request you to come in the room and take the orders. And then that's how you know who all the clients are. That's how you get to know who all your colorists are or your editors, etc., And you build a relationship that way, so... Definitely
0: making tea and coffee is an underrated skill. Yeah. But that is how most of us started. But the uni thing was really important to me because I didn't know whether you went to university or not. I definitely, I didn't either. But that's why I'm so interested because there's so much emphasis from even college teachers, university, university. Mm. And if anything, it is good. A lot of people that I work with in the industry do go to uni. But I feel like sometimes it can hold you back a bit or you could become, like you said, more experience in doing bigger campaigns in your late 20s because Mm. you didn't spend those three years not working in the industry. Yeah,
1: because the most important thing is that you do what makes sense for you. I am dyslexic. I'm, uh, like, when I tell you that sometimes the way I spell things, like, Mm. it makes no sense. I need Grammarly, I need, you know, all of these things. And I learned, like, I'm lucky that my mum was quite... Um, hands on with that really early with me. So I knew I was dyslexic from a really young age. And, but it wasn't looked at, t- like in my household, it's not negative. It was like, okay, you're neurodivergent. So your brain just works in a different way. And no, the spelling is not on point And it still is not guys. <laughs> um, but I had other talents and my brain worked in a different way. So I think that it was always kind of my mum and was really hot on me about that, not to let that kind of bother me. Um, and I was very confident at quite a young age talking, so I was I was lucky in that realm that I was like, good at chatting, good with people, and like, I think um, it was kind of never really, I think it was like known from quite a young age, I was not pressurized to go to uni, and I think that's also a big thing because some people's families want them to go to university, they don't kind of see, um, the creative industry is really like an option, yeah. And and that also is like it's also an economic thing as well, and it also comes from like you know I don't know like a upper middle class household, yeah. It's like you know it, you might not have to go to uni because you can fall back on something. Do you know what I mean? Whereas mm. like uh, like you have to. I think it's individual for a lot of people, and like the decision to go to uni for me was kind of based on the fact that I felt. That it wasn't the it wasn't the right environment for me to learn in. Like an academic environment is not the environment for me. It's like you gotta I get need to out be there doing something set and yeah. do it that
0: way. So that also leads me on to my next question. So are you born in London? Yeah. Yeah. So you grew up in London. Um,
1: yeah, South.
0: Uh, South. South London. South London girl. <laughs> so my point is yeah. as well, do you think people need to be in London to be successful in the creative industry?
1: I'm probably going to I'm going to say something controversial and I Go think on. the answer is yes because I don't feel that you have to necessarily live in London but you may need to ha- be able to have access to London and I think that it's a tricky one because we've got a lot like a cost of living crisis but also the fact that there are the opportunities here. And I'm really, I'm starting to see a change, like we are starting to see a change, like Manchester, Birmingham, like lots of, like lots of different production companies, obviously from our sort of generation are popping up. And I wouldn't say it's like, have to, I've really just, I've just contradicted myself there really. But, but (laughs) I get what you're trying to say. You
0: don't need to necessarily live in London yeah. but you have to be able to at least commute and work in London because yeah. obviously even when I was 16 I was going back and forth from yeah. Norfolk to London eventually yeah. I made the move and a lot of people you know I've got friends that are makeup artists and they've moved to London yeah. and their kind of horizons broadened and like you say there's a lot of people I are mean it's difficult yeah because
1: it is it is expensive so I'm no one to tell anybody like you know you have to be in London to be successful no but I think that you stand a bit a, a better chance just based on accessibility yeah and I think that it's Especially because of COVID, things are changing. I would love if you didn't have to live in London and I'm really pushing for that. Like as a producer, you can work remotely. Like, you know, like I've produced things from Barbados and then flown back and done the shoot here. Do you know what I mean? So you can you can do it, like it's possible. I was up at 5 a.m. every day, but (laughs) it (laughs) worked. Do you know what I mean? And I think that it works, but it also is difficult if you are someone who Maybe you didn't grow up around film, or didn't, or the area that you live in outside of London isn't very. There's not, there's not the access to get on set. Yeah, I would say that you might, for the first, you know, if you if you don't live in London, you might have to try and find a way that you can get access to being on set. And I know it is difficult because, you know, when you're first starting out, it's expensive. The train journeys are expensive, yeah. things are expensive. But I do think things are opening up all over the country, and I think you just have to kind of. Build the com- like a small, even if it's just a really small community, you know, wherever you are. And then when the jobs get bigger, or you feel that you can travel to London, then and do it that way. But I know loads of, I know loads of guys that have done super successful things in Manchester, Birmingham, etc. But I think that the creative base, maybe for the clients, are more in London sometimes. And yeah. we're starting to see that change, though, like Manchester. Is like Oh that's the next that's doing bigs. Yeah. yeah, like right.
0: even even I'm um, like ITV is sending loads of stuff up there. Obviously Channel Four moved their new headquarters to Leeds, yeah. so the North yeah. is up and coming. Yeah. So what you said about a shooting Barbados, what are the jobs that you're working on right now? Because obviously I met you in music videos. Yeah. Do you still do music videos? I know you've also got yeah. a production company, Rage yeah. Films, like wh- wh- yeah. what is going on right now?
1: So that's a very good question. There's quite, <laughs> <laughs> quite a lot. So basically I started in music videos and I still do music videos, but I think Last year for me was quite a big, I had to make a decision on when you're trying to get to that next level, if you are saying yes to the smaller stuff, like I think people underestimate you can bang out a load of jobs and still make the same amount of money, little jobs that you make if you take bigger ones, like it's just less, you know, you're doing less projects and it's like less turnaround time. But I think the lure of taking that money and saying yes to those smaller jobs that don't really change your showreel, don't really change your progression it's a privilege to be able to say no do you know what i mean so once you've worked to that point you as a freelancer you always have like this fear of and i think it is like everyone calls it the fear it's like oh if i say no to this job is another one going to come in but i think you just need to believe in your source yeah and just say no and i think that the power of no is a lot stronger than people realize like i think if you say no to an opportunity that doesn't suit you. You're only creating room for something to come in that you do want to do, or especially as a producer, our jobs, I also have a crew to think about. Yeah. And people to also consider. And if I'm constantly saying yes to jobs that are not the pay that we want, not the quality of work we want, not what we want. I'm the gateway to that happening, if you know what I mean. You're so, allowing it almost. Right, yeah. and, I, and I'm genuinely stepping into rooms with people I love and value their talent and asking them to do it for less. And I think that was something that I, especially, I mean, I'm, I've always really been quite strong on that, but I think the last couple of years, I've really started to like filter out who I'm working with, what I'm doing you know, like, what the environment is like also, because you can do the biggest campaign in the world for the most amount of money, but if it's a toxic environment or it's not enjoyable for your team, then, like, what's your integrity saying? Like, it's really about your, like, you have to factor all of those things in. So I think I've had to think about that, and also a major thing for me the last two years was also realising that I... Never get to work with female directors in music videos. I never do. Oh, okay, that's I think I can count on one hand the amount of time I've been able to work with a female director over five years. What? How many? Um, four times. Wow. So I've worked. Yeah. So last year. What I worked, shoots
0: were they? In, out of interest. Like all
1: music videos. Like. Yeah, okay. But I think the idea that in five years I've only worked with like three or four female directors is like that's pretty shocking like yeah Yeah. and also I need to do better because if I'm I need to go and source those female directors I need to help um maybe develop those female directors more and do something that maybe there's a like there's obviously a reason we know what the reason is and we know that it's difficult for women in film anyway but I think again if my focus is on other jobs with other people too much then what am I doing for myself and what am I doing to like build other women, if you know what I mean. It, it so, becomes
0: more almost about the about the culture yeah. of, of, of the industry. Like as you, When you first start out, you're kind of like, job, 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 I need to make it in this industry. Mm. But when you actually get in it and you realise certain things, yeah. you're then like, okay, how do I need to better this culture? Yeah. So is that what
1: you've done with with Rage? Yeah, so. so not necessarily with Rage just yet, but I think that what I've done personally is I, have I went from doing music videos to, it's a very long-winded way of answering a <laughs> question. But basically, I did a lot of music videos and was only doing quite a lot of music videos. And then I would get asked that would clash based on my relationships with, you know, with the directors I was working with. So I kind of had to make a decision of, okay, I need to kind of think about my career, like, on its own, and my relationships as well. Like, it has to be even. So I started to filter in those, commercials and um do a lot more of that work and then I think that that allowed me to kind of take a step back from music videos just have a little bit more space and like analyze and realize that okay like I love doing music videos I enjoy there's amazing like male directors it's not anything against any of the male directors I work with I think they're brilliant but I also think that looking at the disproportionate amount of music videos I've done with men versus the women directors I've had the opportunity to work with, it was a bit of a problem for me. So yeah. I sort of dug my heels in last year and mm-hmm. I didn't do any music videos of any male directors. I only oh, wow. took female directors. Like like if yeah, someone offered me a project. music video, I would ask, is it a male director, is it a female director? They would say male, I'd say no. Um, because I was like, and I would say to the production companies, if you have a female director this year, and it's £2.50 as a budget, I would do it. But I wanna see, I just wanted to see if they would bring me, come back that year with anything female, and they did not, so. They (laughs) did? No, because the thing is, is that like, it's not, it's like, it's not necessarily, I'm not saying it's just me, do you know what I mean? Like, I'm saying that I'm sure, there's some female directors that have their own producers and they don't necessarily work with just a freelance director, I mean, freelance Mm -hmm. producer, sorry. Mm -hmm. But I would say that, yeah, that the music videos that i get offered 90 percent of the time are men not women and also if you think that there's a disproportionate amount of like uh, male to female directors then there's a huge disproportionate amount of white female directors to women of color so it's like you then 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 it became even more of a like when you start to take away like when you start to say no to those music videos or you start to put those integral things in place yeah then you really see what what it's saying what like is you yeah, on, yeah and and I'm I'm in a I was in a privileged enough position to be like okay I'm doing the commercials and I'm getting paid well for that so I don't have to say yes to these and then that kind of jump-started a lot of like research for me and really reaching out to female directors that have just started or um you know even female photographers that have just started and really building much more of a closer connection to Female, even crew. Cre- that's yeah, the thing crew. as well. Like you yeah. don't.
0: It's a, a lot of like the gaffers or the grips, yeah. lighting people it's that we work women. with. They're all they're all men. <laughs> they mm. are, um, and even the women. Like when I see a, a woman camera assistant or something, yeah. I'm like, come on, yes, like. Yeah. It, but it's so rare. Like yeah. it is rare. Even even to this day, it's getting better. But a lot of women tend mm. to take on production roles. Well, if I if well. I
1: step into a room and you're a female director, I don't have to explain to you why we need to yeah. have female crew. Yeah. There's exactly. certain conversations I don't need to have, yeah. <laughs> and there's certain conversations that I think it's just um, I love I love working with male directors as well. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. I think the male directors that are aware of those um, imbalances and not just about not just about like gender, but also about race. And I think that that's like a major thing that has to change. Um, and it can't just be used as an advertising, like a marketing scheme. Mm. Like, if you that. are signing black female directors or signing black directors at like across the board or anyone that isn't white, quite honestly, what does your production team look like? Because yeah. if you've got 15 white people behind the scenes, yeah. that isn't that isn't a diverse production company. That's...
0: No. You're doing it for a bit of a different, right. you're doing it for a different reason. But, yeah.
1: Oh, let me not say too much. I can't, <laughs> spill, I can't spill all the tea on the podcast. I mean, on it's tea session. time, it's tea time. But I, that's how I feel about it. Because yeah. I feel like it's very like, it can sometimes be quite performative in, in all aspects. And I think that of like course. having, like I've worked with some amazing production companies and usually the production companies I choose to work with and um, clients I choose to work with there, that's like a huge thing that they almost step in saying. Yeah. So I've never really had, to, like I don't think that there's, there's times where I have to fight that corner, but mm. I would say luckily the directors that I team up with, male directors also that I team up with, and just my team in general is very hot on that. So it, it was we're, we're gradually starting to have less of that. But also when you're young, you have to have like yeah. put your foot down on those conversations, and For sure. sometimes people don't respect your opinion as much when you're young. So yeah. yeah, it's just I think it's a bit wild. Like sometimes I get I've had like lovely emails from commissioners or clients saying how diverse our sets are, and I feel like. It's wild to me because I don't think that we intentionally ever go into a shoot and think, oh, like it has to be super diverse. Yeah. It's just that talent is diverse inherently. So yeah. if you have a huge amount of talent, they should all be from different backgrounds, everyone should be different gender, everyone should be a different race because that's how you represent. make the best job. Because yeah. everyone has a different perspective and different viewpoint. And yeah, I just think if you're going into a job and you're thinking, oh, 20% of them have to be women, 20% of them have to be men, 20% of them, like, have to be white, 20% have to be non-white, like, like,
0: that's you're so thinking about it in the wrong way. Yeah, like, that's so interesting. It's cause...
1: performative, it's not natural, like, no. you're not, and obviously there's reasons why we have to do that, like, yeah, there has to be, like, those kind of, like, there's obviously, like, laws put in place in film and TV that make sure that that happens, but I just mean for producers listening or, or creatives listening and watching, like, what are you doing on Your own, like, not yeah. like what there's okay. We get it, there's a law in place in the UK that it has to be like this, but what converse, what hard conversations it's not just are about you having in a box?
0: Right, like it's much more than that,
1: yeah. So, in terms of
0: freelancing, obviously, so you yeah. said you're freelance, and I know you mentioned the word crew quite a few times. And obviously, I've, I've worked as a freelancer as well, so you do tend to have people that you, you work with and, and your go to. So, would you say? In terms of freelancing, you have your own kind of crew that you um,
1: stick to. Like, how does that work? I think you have your own production team. Like, I have my own production team, so they are amazing, and I love them. So, if they're listening, I love you. You're <laughs> you're great. Um, and I think that I would say I have PMs and PAs my like go-to people. Um, I think wider than that, it is very freelance. So past that point, I wouldn't say that I work with specific people on a really regular basis like i mean there's some dops and some crew that i just absolutely adore and i think that they're just like amazing at their job so you know any time that that loops up with the director's feelings on it i'm super happy because then we all get to work together but i think that um past that point it can be quite like individual and like a little bit isolating sometimes i think so i do Mm -hmm. think like the change from being in-house like being an in-house producer to being a freelance producer there's like such a big difference yeah what would you say that would
0: the hardest thing about freelancing is
1: I think mainly that you are an individual so sometimes and I've had it like last year I even had it like right all the way through my career where people will try to take advantage more when it comes to invoices owing you money things yeah. like that because they think that you're an individual and that you don't necessarily
0: have the back in almost, isn't it? Yeah, to chase that's invoices completely incorrect. Like,
1: that. like, it's not that hard to get a lawyer. Yeah, It's not that hard to take you to court. Like, it's really not that difficult. And if you, I think that if those things are happening and if you're an individual, you know, you're in those situations, you can. Some, it can sometimes, especially when you're younger, make you feel that it's like an individual thing. Yeah. And I think that what freelancers need to do more and, and like, especially with the entrance of social media, like how big social media is now and like, our generation is talk about it like i can go on to set and if i and any situation that's happened i like i've had crew be like to me look like i haven't been paid this invoice for six months i haven't been paid this invoice for how long like what would you say is the process and someone will pipe up and be like oh i had that exact situation last year yeah i had this lawyer i did this i went and then it becomes much less isolating and you'd realize that
0: I've seen it a few times on people's stories. They're like, look, I've had a problem with this company. I've been trying to do it the right way. I'm trying to go about it behind closed doors, but I'm going to call them out. And yeah. then they get paid. Yeah. And it's just the wildest thing. So to, yeah, to kind of combat sure. that, what is the best experiences you had as a freelancer? What is your favorite thing about freelancing?
1: I think I just like the the people I work with. I think that, you know, starting out, just being like in your early 20s on set, like you're all working for yourselves, you're all navigating it yourselves. And then just seeing how amazing everyone's doing and like how, um, just the connections that you make with people and I think that for me sometimes, I'm a little bit guilty of being too invested in people and I have to remember that like it's work at the end of the day and like I can't, I've put, I think in my, especially in my first, like, section of my career, I really invested a lot of time into, like, people and making sure that, like, I was bringing people along and doing all those things, and I think that, like, that is still important to me, but I also think that, like, their success has to be their own journey too, and you just kinda sometimes have to stand back and be, like, super proud of them from, you know, a far type thing. And I think, but I really, I really enjoy, like, even, like, the fact that me and you were sitting doing a podcast five <laughs> years ago, we was on set together. I know. Do you know what I mean? So it's, like, it seeing lasts. your progression even makes me so happy. Like, I love watching you grow and shine and do all the amazing things that you're doing. So oh. I think that, to me, is, like, the best part of it because, you know, like, you just build such great friendships and, like, it's not, not everyone is a dickhead, like. No, Do you know no, what I mean? Not yeah. everyone is a bad person. <laughs> so you just have to, like, take the good with the bad and try and like navigate
0: it and you will have those experiences where it's bad but like and I'm sure you agree but the the feeling that you have when you're on set and you are vibing with the crew the shoot's run into time but even when it's not sometimes it makes it exciting because you're like we've really got to wrap this we've really got to wrap this now and things like that I just feel like that whole element of working in this industry is what is the most exciting. Mm. So what would you say to somebody who is thinking about going freelance or thinking about a career in the industry?
1: What would your advice to them be? Mm, Do it ASAP. Because the thing is, is that there's never a right way to do it and there's never a right time to do it. I think within reason, obviously, Mm -hmm. do not throw your job in the bin. (laughs) Like, give yourself a little bit of time, make sure your savings are in place, um, make sure that you... Because the way I went freelance was I started to incorporate okay I know I'm full time at this production company but on my weekends or when I'm after work I would be involved in projects or I would find things that I could be involved in or help with or do and I think um, because I'd done it from such a young age I'd maybe had friends or people I'd worked with previously that I could kind of call on to be like oh like they would say oh I'm looking for someone to do this or could you help with that and then that kind of just I eased myself sort of out of being in full-time work into like freelance life, but there was a very immediate like there had to be a really big cut from me. So it had to be like, okay, now I'm I'm done now with that and I'm into this because I think lots of people think, oh if I had a part time job, it's fine. Yeah. No. Like it never, never, (laughs) never, never, never works. Like it never works. I've not worked with anyone in five years that can maintain a successful career in film and have a part time job. You have to go all in and Especially, and I would say the one thing that people think is that going freelance when you're older is like when I said, when I was 24 and they said, Oh, I said I'm going freelance, everyone looked at me like I was mad. But, excuse me, why would I go freelance and blow up my life at 30 when I'm trying to do a mortgage and I'm trying to do this and I'm trying to do that? Like, if there's a chance in my life where I have no responsibilities, I've got no mortgage, I've, you know, like I can do essentially move how I want, that's the time to do it. And obviously, don't get me wrong like everyone's in a different situation. So sometimes if your household is depending on you, that can be a harder decision. So you have to just weigh up all of those things. But I think sometimes like some of the most successful people I know have had a really tough choice when they decided to go freelance and now are buying their family houses or building yeah, building houses in other countries for their parents or their mum doesn't work anymore because they Mm. they provide for the household. Like it's it's such an it's such like more it's such a bigger achievement to do that and to have worked through that than to just kind of get it handed to you because you just yeah. it's you don't like and you can see it like you can see it in someone if they've been as a producer or I mean any I'm sure in any career you can see if the person's had to like like fight for their passion and do what they're doing because they treat people better they care about their role more yeah. they you know it, it makes you a better producer if you've had to kind of. Graft for it. I totally agree. It's almost like when you work with people that haven't
0: been runners before. Sometimes I'm like, (laughs) I could, you could tell, you can tell, especially if you've been a runner and you work with someone who hasn't. Like, You know, everyone gets in this industry differently. But I think when when you're coming from
1: a production producer perspective, it's just, it's really telling. I still take the bins out. Yeah. If the bin needs to be taken out, and we're going into overtime, (laughs) I'm not paying a thousand pound because no one took the bin out. And we have to go back in and get it. The bin is coming with me. I don't care if I'm the exec producer or whatever, like top tier producer, whatever. Like you're packing down the kit, you're packing down the catering, yeah. you're throwing yeah. stuff away, you're tidying up, you're doing whatever you're getting people is necessary. you food if
0: they can't, if your DOP can't yeah. move, things like that. Yeah. You're just and helping
1: in all areas. I also think that you have to remember that you're like, you can never, there's times, don't get me wrong, where you can, you have to kind of like, put some boundaries in place and say, okay, like, I don't wanna do this anymore or that anymore. Yeah. But you have to always remain, like, your ego cannot. Like, when you come to set, your ego needs to be checked out the door because at that point you're a team and it's like, yeah. Like if if the runner is busy and the client needs someone to make them a cup of tea, I'm going to go and make the cup of tea. Exactly. Mainly because I don't want to have to hear the aggravation about the cup of tea. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But nine times out of ten, I'm happy to do that. And yeah. I think that like, I think that's an amazing. I don't think anyone should rush the process. And a lot yeah. of what I see at the moment is everybody wanting to rush the process or claim a different role. And I would say that it's really, it's really difficult and mm. to do that because I'm not saying don't go for that, don't reach for that, but also you don't want to be in a position with, that you're not prepared for.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: It's, it's not like, it's like preparation and opportunity mm. is the best combination. So don't, just because it sounds better, take a role that you're not prepared for because then if you do a bad job on that, you might that never been, work in the, Well, in well, that it's like again. yeah, and also it might make you just feel like you you couldn't do it or something like you weren't ready for it, and that's not the case. You just weren't prepped enough. And any and I say the same thing to my PAs or my PMs. Like I don't like working in this environment where like I, I think it's a very old school way of thinking. Like if a PA or a PM makes a mistake, it is the worst thing in the world. Oh. It's like diabolical. The whole everyone's died. A bomb's gone off. Like it's <laughs> Literally. nobody can like function if something's no. You, this is what it is. If yeah. my PA or my PM has made a mistake, that's my fault, because mm. I either have not, for whatever reason, had the time, had the headspace, had the whatever to triple check what they've done, or I haven't. Someone before me hasn't taught them about that, yeah. or they just weren't like prepped by the client enough, or there's there's a reason. It's not a hundred percent their fault, and I think mm. that it's also this thing of like, even if we're doing like a huge, like if we're doing a huge campaign and it's like a mistake's been made, tell me as early as you notice the mistake because nine times out of 10, I can fix it. But if you're like a boss or you're a senior person that you're, junior people feel like they can't come and tell you that there's a mistake you're a bad boss because yeah. they're gonna be made to feel like you're gonna blame them mm. and that's not a team like a production team is everyone working together it's not you working for someone do you know no, what i mean and i yeah. think that's like that's a big thing to me because i'm like i fe- had felt like that coming up and i always felt like that's not how like that's just not fair like no. if you know there, there's a reason why you're in a senior position to give advice mm. do you know what i mean and Even help when that you're person. saying
0: that i'm thinking of- Times I've been on set and
1: that's happened to me, or I've seen that happen to other
0: people, and like you feel like you can't talk, or and it's just one of those things where sometimes I think you you work on a certain shoot and it can become quite a blame game.
1: How's the person supposed to learn?
0: Like you're not going to learn unless you make mistakes.
1: Yeah, and if the person, if you're constantly, if someone's constantly in fear of making a mistake, they won't also do anything without you, which is contradictory to why you've hired them. Mm. You've hired them to be a PA to go and do their PA task so you don't have to think about it yeah so it's I, more aggravation to me if i create a culture where oh am i right to do this oh can i do that like megan is it okay like no you listen if you make if you fuck up we'll fix it yeah whatever yeah. no one's gonna die we are not heart surgeons <laughs> we're, not, we're heart not brain surgeons, surgeons. like you'll hear that in a we are not heart surgeons like do you know yeah. what i mean like okay a cab hasn't been booked mm. we can book one now we need a zip van last minute we can do it we can do that you know don't yeah. panic like yeah. it's going to be fine but if if you don't kind of create that culture people just don't and it don't always grow.
0: works out in the end even the worst thing could happen on set that overtime could be mad but it always actually ends up working out you know yeah. and that's the yeah. main thing but i think team is such a core thing and definitely i think so many people are going to take such a lot away from everything you've said today i think yeah. it's so important that, that i feel like
1: i've just been rambling no no
0: honestly yeah, but everything you've been saying has been yeah. so We're vital about to chop this one up guys <laughs> Chop it up a bit. It's been so vital and so core cool, and I'm engrossed listening to it because it's everything you'd want to hear from a producer. So yeah. it's definitely, like, thank you for coming on. I just want to know what, what, you, what you're you coming
1: up. What's next? I know you're doing a panel. You know what? Yeah, no, a I'm workshop? doing um, a workshop. I need to prepare a five-hour lesson. Wow. I know. Five and hours? Me and my sister were watching School of Rock yesterday and I was like, this is the type of teacher I would be <laughs> so I need to, like, work that out. But the lesson plans are looking, looking fun. Like, I think it's really just trying to like give people an idea of um of how it all works and just being honest with them as well and like just saying like look like this is production and its role it's not glamorous no you're not like standing on set with your laptop like this and a coffee is not how it runs like no. and and anyone you see in a photo doing that has clearly Stage
0: that photo, I'm, I am I guilty never, of that.
1: I have <laughs> never, I have never in my life had the time to take a photo like that, like ever. I'm like, I look like an absolute mess yeah. 95% of the time when I'm on set. I'm tired. I probably have a face like a smacked ass because I've been dealing with like 65 other things. Yeah. And like... There's nothing wrong with that. Like you should take those photos, and you should, and if you, you, have should, the time. you should at the end of yeah. the shoot once everyone's out. But but also know if you come to the end of the shoot, you haven't taken that photo, you haven't done it for the Doesn't gram. You didn't do the It's job. okay, mate. Like it's fine. Do you know what I mean? The like, work it's speaks for be, itself as well. Yeah, and I think yeah, like I think just ca- trying to kind of um, it's give that that them that thing, a
0: little bit as well. Yeah. Like it's pro- prioritising the work over yeah. like, and and being and I
1: that's what when people say I want to work in film, I think that's all they see. So I think kind of preparing them for that so that they don't feel like it's just them you know like oh wow like why am i not why is it not glamorous for me kind of thing and then um we're going to take them through budgeting and the pitching process because i think we don't get paid to pitch guys so that's (laughs) and not all the time sometimes you get paid to pitch if there is a big enough budget and it's a commercial for example but music videos you do not get paid to pitch every single every single treatment you a director writes and doesn't get. He doesn't get paid for, and I don't get paid to do the budget. So no. you can imagine how many treatments, how many budgets you really have to like knock out the park to get. And that's what takes those. the time. Yeah. So. And you also have to like, and also teaching them because there'll be some people in the class that don't just want to be producers. That it's more of like a creative group. That you know, getting a no is not necessarily like a problem. And I also think that something that maybe people don't think about is if that person doesn't want that treatment that is still your idea Mm -hmm. wipe the person's name off that treatment and if a similar brief comes in then you've got a treatment ready to go and you can tweak it and you can rework it like I don't see the problem in that like obviously everybody wants to be like they've had like an individual experience from a director but also if you've got core things you've always wanted to shoot or you have a style that you've always wanted to you know um, implement into your work then you know some people hold on to ideas for three, mm. four years until they find the right artist that's like, yeah, I love that, Like, let's do it. So yeah. I think that work doesn't ha- necessarily have to go to waste, but um, so yeah, teach them about that and then taking them through the process really, like pre-production to mm. post-production, because as a producer nine times out of 10, you're on the job the longest, yeah. which I don't yeah. think people necessarily understand. So um, if you're doing like, a, if, you're, if I'm doing a job, And this is something that, like, nobody, everyone is mind blown when I've said this. My day rate is probably far lower than everyone that's on that set on that day. And a lot of the time, I have conversations with crew, and they seem to think that there's this huge pot of money for, like, me and the director, and that we've just scraped together £2.50 to ask the crew to come on board. But you know, for example, a first AD could be getting paid 700 pound. Yeah. Like I did a music video the other day and my DOPs rate was 700, like I think 750 maybe. It was for, and we did a two hour recce. Yeah. Um, which is fair enough, because that's your day yeah. out the window. So we did a two hour recce and then a shoot day. That was 700 pound. I think I got paid like nearly three grand to do the music video and that was over the space of a month. And yeah. I'm on that every day. Like every single I'm, day. I'm sitting Seven a, Days a week. Right. I'm pitching I'm in the pitching process. I'm I've got my lap like I just came back from Barbados. I'm sitting on my balcony doing Zoom calls. I'm mm. doing the like, you know, I'm part of the um post production. Yeah. Once the post production's wrapped, we've delivered the video. I'm wrapping the job and getting everyone's invoices paid. I'm getting the drives back. Like yeah. it's not if I break down what my day rate is per day on a music video, it can be insane, which is why you have to really, when you work really hard to make sure you're doing the jobs that you love, but you know, and maybe in other um, industries, like, you know, the commercial work Mm. can sometimes be better, don't get me wrong, sometimes it can't, sometimes you're doing a buyout and you're not doing a a day rate because they don't have the budget, but it can even out a little bit. So that's why it's important to kind of, don't close yourself off, because I also think that there's like a bit of a, there's A little bit of a thing of like, okay, I've got to this point now, so I have to do mm. those huge jobs. But I loved doing that, I loved doing that music video because, first of all, it was a female exec, shout out to Nayla because she got me involved, hey. and then it was a female, um, female director, um, Amy Becker, she's amazing, and um, then we had a female colorist, Meg from oh. ETC, yeah, we had. A um female editor, Scarlett from the White House, like the whole team ended up being like just yeah. another, like an amazing talented woman after amazing talented women. So it wasn't like, you know, it's not a problem. Like I love doing those projects, but I think there's an st- enormous amount of time that goes into them. And you also have to like, just as crew, just as a reminder, like, guys, we're literally on your team. Like, I'm so on my crew's team. Like, yeah. and I'm so like, okay. Over time, as soon as like as soon as that's even like looks like a conversation, we're going to client to ask for it. Like we're constantly, and I think that's the one thing I would say about my role that people don't realize is how much we fight for everyone else. And I think there's this huge, overwhelming perception that producers are really like about themselves. And I (laughs) promise you, for the last five years, I've killed myself thinking about everyone else. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I think that's something that
0: you mother everyone yeah basically you yeah. That, it's like being a, a mom of a big family that's the best way yeah. out,
1: that's how it feels like and that's how much you care about your team as well yeah. and your
0: crew yeah that is the that's the importance of it so. and i think
1: without your like a major thing is that without your crew you're no one like you don't yeah and i think that's what people like i think that's where we kind of need i would love if at some point it can feel a little bit more like the producers aren't in the middle the crew yeah. isn't on one side and then the client isn't on another because trust me we get as much aggravation this side sometimes mm. as we do you know the crew feel that they get aggro but we also get aggro and we're kind of like that barrier yeah so it wouldn't it wouldn't also be nice to feel sometimes like we do so much work behind the scenes and they don't see it and then they're just like you know sometimes you can get some pretty like difficult conversations yeah. or t- pretty Aggy conversations and I I would not say I shy away from confrontation. I, <laughs> I would wouldn't say, say that either. <laughs> I would say that if you step onto my phone with smoke, I will give it to you back because yeah. it's just how I am. Like, I just don't think we need to be disrespectful ever. No. But I also think that there's so much, like, there's so much work and so many different producers that crew work with that is understandable if they're a bit apprehensive about you. Mm. So I think we also have to be understanding that, like, they might have had some really bad experiences and some people that weren't very nice to work with. So, you know, like I think give the producers a bit of a break, but also producers understand that like, it's stressful. Like being yeah. crew is hella stressful, yeah. do you know what I mean? Exactly. And and it's, it. yeah, I think all around our job is pretty full on. So mm. yeah, that's hopefully what I'm gonna be telling them over five hours and then they're probably gonna leave and be like, what the, <laughs> what hell? the hell? I'm just gonna go and be like, yeah. be on TikTok and make a shit ton of money and not bother. So. Yeah. <laughs>
0: that's what people are doing nowadays but I promise you they're yeah. still working in the industry
1: to be yeah. done.
0: but no thank you so much for your time I no, think you are so given welcome. more than I thought you would like thank you was, so honestly, much I feel like incredible. the first half
1: of it was a bit rambly but no, you know honestly, a little bit of editing magic and <laughs> oh, I'm well, going to you know, sound great
0: yeah No, you sound great anyway but no thank you so much and it's amazing to hear what you're doing I am also proud of you and yet again still looking up to you all these years later oh, thank you mate but no, I'm thank very you.
1: proud of you too